Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. At the time of recording, it's about 7.30 in the morning on a Thursday, and I'm talking to a college student, so you can expect her to be incoherent and um, make fun of me the entire time. I'd like to introduce McKenna Schwab. McKenna goes to the University of Washington. Per Lucas Banning, it's because she couldn't go to WSU. That's what I was told. I will fact check that here in a minute with McKenna. But McKenna and I met uh, when she was an intern with the Wenatchee Apple Sox. And she's got a really interesting story that I thought we should hear more about. And McKenna, I'm going to let you kind of take it from here. But first off, welcome to the show and thanks for putting up with us. And uh, let's hear your story. Well, first of all, Scott, thanks for having me. I can't believe you quoted Lucas for my intro, but, you know, more than happy to be here. I'll try and be as coherent as possible. Uh, it's seven, I mean, it's 7.30 for a college student. I mean, I, I know when I was in college, you know, that wouldn't have worked. So, you know, it was, I was maybe regretting the times I told you I was available this morning, but <laughs> excited to be here and to chat with you. Um, yeah. So my story a little bit of context. Well, Scott, you gave great background in my intro. I'm a college student. I'm almost 21. I go to the University of Washington. I'm a junior. I'm a journalism and public interest communications major, which is just essentially journalism and public relations. Um, but my story. Well, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. Journalism and communication major. What do you want to do with that? When you graduate from do- from I almost said WSU and I really didn't mean to. When you graduate from the University of Washington, go Huskies, what do you want to do with your journalism degree? Let's talk that first. That's a really great question, Scott. Um, the funny thing is I don't think I want to be a journalist. Here it's come journalism and PR combined as one major. I'm definitely more interested in the public interest, public relations side. I'm really enjoying right now kind of exploring a bunch of different opportunities. I've had different chances to try out different internships in the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm still able to do that now. Um, I'm thinking maybe something in marketing, maybe something in nonprofit fundraising, maybe something in job recruiting. Um, my goal this year is to kind of go from broad to narrow down a specific career path. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing about a communications major is there are a lot of options. It is pretty broad. So I feel like I can hopefully take that degree and, potentially do a lot of different things. I'm absolutely shocked that at tw- 20 years of age, you don't know exactly what you want to do with the rest of your life. I I know I'm so behind. I know, Scott. You are. I, I, that is on in all sincerity. I think that's one of the problems with, with college for so many of us is that you go there, let's say at 18 and you go for four or five years, 22, 23 years of age. And you've spent this amount of time of your life learning about, you know, a subject communications, PR accounting. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then for so many of us, you go, wow, that's, yeah, that's great. But I'd rather go do X or Y. And it's just, it's just interesting to me. But yeah, look, you're a, you're a UW student. There's mm-hmm. thousands of UW students that I've had on the show. You're going to graduate in a year. 
once again, ish. Thou, yeah, ish. And again, a thousand UW graduates are going to hit the hit the streets in a year. So why am I talking to you? That's that's what I think the guests are like. Yeah, Scott, why are you talking to a college kid? So, McKenna, yeah. let's talk about your. Let's go back to birth because you got a really yeah. long story. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. So I was born with a rare connective tissue disorder called Larson syndrome. And Larson syndrome looks different for a lot of different people. But in my life, uh, that means that all the joints in my body are dislocated. I have instabilities in my spine, my C-spine, which is your neck, uh, my airways, and a lot of different mobility issues. Uh, my parents took me over to Seattle Children's Hospital at a week old and it's been my second home ever since. I've had over 20 different surgeries, some for my mobility, some I wouldn't be alive without. And Seattle Children's can't say it enough. They're really cool there. They do, oh, the doctors and nurses there, they're a part of my heart and a part of my family forever. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who I was without my experiences there. Mm -hmm. And Seattle Children's has just really influenced my life in a really big way. And so when I was eight years old, I asked my parents if I could sell cookies and lemonade and give the proceeds back to the hospital. And so we did a Make a Difference Day project, which it was the National Day of Service, fourth day in, or fourth Saturday, sorry, in October. So my friends and I, we were out there um, in the pouring rain, holding up signs, selling some baked goods for Seattle Children's and people from our community would come out and they'd donate and they'd share their story with Seattle Children's and I realized like, oh my gosh, no, Seattle Children's isn't just cool to me. It's cool to all these other people too. Mm -hmm. um, and I had hoped that first year that we would like raise a hundred dollars, right? We ended up raising over $6,000 and I was kind of hooked from, from then on, like getting to talk to people and hear their stories and be able to make an impact on the hospital. It was an attempt and I emphasize attempt to say thank you to the doctors and nurses who saved my life because I still don't know how you say thank you for something like that. Like the course of my life has forever changed from my time there. Um, and so every year we would do some sort of project, sometimes for Seattle Children's and sometimes for other organizations that were influencing and impacting the lives of kids and families that were walking through similar circumstances to mine. So we've done projects for Seattle Children's, we've done projects for Make-A-Wish, Alaska and Washington, and we did a, we've did we done a couple of projects for Camp Cory, which is a part of the Serious Fun Network started by Paul Newman. It's a camp up in Mount Vernon, Washington, for kiddos with different medical diagnoses to come and just be a kid for a week. All they have to do is go to summer camp. Um, okay. And I was a camper for like 10 years. So in we've done all those different projects. And in 2016, we took the official plunge and became a nonprofit. So the Max Beyer Foundation was created, which is McKenna and Inspire put together. And it has given me the platform to continue to be able to help and inspire those kids and families that are, you know, are walking through what my parents did, what I did, and what we know they can get through. And so being able to help them and kind of be able to encourage along the way has been such a blessing. And so now... 12 years into this, we have been able to raise over like $1.2 million wow, for those kids and families. That's, that's super impressive. Let's, uh, let's, I'm going to start picking that apart. Not in a 
bad way, McKenna. You, everyone, you need to understand that when McKenna and I were working together, I made fun of her constantly. So I think anything, I think she's kind of nervous that I'm going to, you know, revert to that. And I'm, and I will because it's McKenna, but I'm not trying to pick on you, but. I'm trying to be professional, Scott. Yeah, you no, can't no, no, no. This show is not professional. See, that's the thing. The show is casual. The show is, this is, this is casual, McKenna. Like I, you know, you gotta, you really got to embrace that. So, but first off children's hospital. I have a couple of questions that may sound silly, but actually I've been thinking about this. Okay. The name of it is Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. You are no longer considered legally a child. I'm not. So when, when and if you need future medical care, like another mm -hmm. surgery or something like that, do you have to go to a different hospital? Has your time with children's come, as far as a patient, come to a close? It has but not in the way that i for years had thought that it would so technically yeah after you turn 21 you aren't technically allowed to be seattle children's patient there are ways around that if your surgeons are like no we'll just keep you mm -hmm. they can sign the extension form and i've been telling all my surgeons since i like understood that i wouldn't that there was an end date for this I'm like you have to sign my extension i'm never leaving <laughs> well then all my surgeons retired mm, yeah <laughs> so i will have to go somewhere else um i'm really lucky right now my care is kind of at a plateau mm -hmm. i haven't had an appointment since february of 2022 okay so kind of in a in a big stretch so yeah i will have to go to a okay. hospital all right so what was the very first surgery that was performed on you <laughs> you're asking me the hard questions this morning scott um i think it was hip surgery i was three months old when i had my first three surgery months old, okay. and my parents say all the time they are so thankful that i was so little that i don't remember any of those mm -hmm. like, first sets of surgeries just because they were kind of intense in my first four years of life i had double hip surgery double knee surgery i had a club foot when i was born so adjusting that my knees bent backwards when i was born so I did serial casting, or I did, they did serial casting to kind of adjust that mm -hmm. and then did double knee surgery. I'm trying to think through all the things. Yeah. The big ones are double knee, double hip. So I know you think about this. They couldn't make me taller. I know. So I was going to, I was going to throw yeah. that in because McKenna's less than five foot tall, everyone. McKenna, <laughs> how officially, how tall are you? Um, four, nine, four, ten on a good day. Yeah. Four, ten on a good day. Um, and that's when she's wearing heels. Um, no, I was, I was going to say that the, as an infant, when you didn't have a voice in the decision-making, it was all on your parents. Mm -hmm. That's got to have been um, a very emotional time for them. It was, it, it's as a parent, it's awful to watch your child suffer for, you know, having a cold is, is, is gut wrenching, you know, much less having to have, you know, knee, hip, you know, foot casting constantly. You, as a, as an infant, you had no clue why all these things were happening to you and you just probably acted out in the sense like you were uncomfortable. So you're probably not, you probably were an unpleasant infant i don't mean that in a mean way i'm just saying you know you were at you know, three years of age you probably weren't the coolest kid to hang out with um not like you are now mckenna not like you are now oh, but because you, you have an amazing attitude and that's that's one of the things that that's why we're talking is i've been so impressed with your 
your upbeat attitude about everything um, that's been thrown at you. So you've had all these surgeries at Children's and they've done uh, done amazing, amazing care for you. I, I have a couple of other people I know that their child uh, has gone through um, drastic surgeries as well. Not like yours, but just drastic, drastic procedures that uh, life-saving, um, ongoing care for life, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you've given back to the, to the, the facility, to the organization that's helped you live a, a, a complete life. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think people think life's complete at five foot. So you're not quite there. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was gonna get one in one way or the other. Michaela. You do that. I know. You do that. Was um, okay. So, so you've done stuff. You know, you've done stuff for for Camp Corey. You've done stuff for. You've got your own your own thing. But before we go down those paths, this this Larson syndrome, I. Not that I know everything, because I certainly don't, but I've never heard of that before. You, you kind of just said it's connective tissues, but can you kind of explain it in, in layman's terms more? Yeah. Okay. I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Larson's is very rare. It's like one in 100,000 people. Uh, it's a gene mutation for most people. That's what I have. So neither, my, neither of my parents are curious if this one of the genes just kind of like flipped and now here we are um so like my joints are dislocated my right arm i can't fully extend it because of the way that the joint is positioned or the lack of joint is positioned in my elbow but i can like flip my arm all the way around because of the way that my arm is positioned in my shoulder uh the connective tissue mainly that's cartilage so i have no cartilage in my i realize that the podcast is not video, but I'm showing you, Scott. I have no cartilage in my nose, the, no cartilage in my, well, no, no cartilage in my airways, but I have very weak cartilage in my airways, which meant like, I sounded like Darth Vader when I breathe. Or even, even still now, if I'm, if I'm focused and I'm looking down, you'll be like, oh, McKenna's in the other room. I can hear her breathing. Like, it's just loud. Um, and so that also meant when I was a little kid, anytime I got a cold, it was like, not that, not game over, but right. hospital, I see you now. Wow. So I also had my adenoids taken out when I was young to kind of free up some of that space. Right. So, yeah, those are the, the, the big things with me for Larson syndrome. I had scoliosis and kyphosis. Scoliosis is when your spine is curved. Kyphosis is when your spine is twisted. Um, wow. And so that was corrected when I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. Big, big surgery. Um, at that point, one of my lungs had collapsed. The other one was like halfway there and it was putting a lot of pressure on my heart as well. So it was kind of like, okay, we got to, and we had been postponing the surgery because I was sick. I was sick. I mm-hmm. had really low pulmonary function test results. And they're like, well, we got to be careful with anesthesia because you can't put her under while she can't breathe very well. And then it was like, okay, no, we, it's come to the point where, no, we've got to do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm, I look back on these 20 years and I am thankful all the time. I did not realize the magnitude of what was happening. My spine surgery, I was like, Ooh, yay. I get a new American girl doll to go into my surgery with me. And I, I was, I just feel so lucky that I had such, I mean, it does go back to my parents. Like 
the things that they went through and carried so that I had no idea. Right. Like I'm thankful all the time for that. And yeah, I was just worried about, no, mom, I don't want that hairstyle for my surgery hairstyle. No, I want two braids, not one. Like, you know, I, it was just like eight year old stuff. I wasn't worried like, Oh, this is like really scary. This is like a life changing surgery. And so, and it's my parents, it's the child life specialist, it's my doctors, my nurses, all of them kind of have come around me to support me and just kind of get me where I need to go. So. Um, the hairstyle thing is, that's pretty cool. Oh that's, 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 boy, I want to go with that, but I'm going to, I'm going to rise above. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I think. See that. You know. Kudos to your parents because it, it, it had to be. Um, it had to be just you know gut wrenching and devastating. And they're ter- I, I I can't speak for them, but I'm imagining if it was me, be terrified. I don't know that I would have been able to keep up as strong of a public face as they did with you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I don't know if I wouldn't have broke down if you were asking for two braids instead of one, because I would be thinking about the magnitude of what was happening and how insignificant to me, to me selfishly that uh, the, the, the hairstyle choice would be. However, to you, it was a a way of being comforted and dare I say, dare I say a little distracted um, to help you, you know, go in and do this. That's awesome. And children's has got a great reputation for having great care uh, great, yeah. great um, for parents and for 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 patients. Whole family care. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, totally. Now, one of the things you know we we glossed over this is that McKenna um, grew up in East Wenatchee, and so it's not that uh, Children's Hospital is just just down the road. They they literally had to go across you know the Cascades to get to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 physical toll on your parents was 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 significant. Yeah. You know, and so kudos, kudos to them. My parents are awesome. Yeah. And so you started out, now we're going to shift back into this fundraising thing. Cause I think, well, actually, let me ask you this as an adult. Yeah. Now you, you're, you're officially going to be 21 here. You might be 21 by the time this goes live. So, you know, everyone wish McKenna happy 21st birthday, Thanks, but your, if you need care uh, for this situation, in the future, um, where will you go? Do you think? Is, is you that, dub, maybe you I, dub? that would be my guess. A lot of my surgeons before they were retired were doing not necessarily. They weren't necessarily practicing at both, but they were maybe you know teaching with mm-hmm. UW, and so okay. that would be. So you, my guess. that would be the first place I. So try. you should be able to receive some level of care in the Puget Sound, Washington state yeah. region. Okay. Right. No, that's good. So it's good. not like you're gonna have to go off to New York city or Los yeah. Angeles. And I don't know what surgeries I would need next. Most of the surgeries I think that I would need next are relatively like not the most uncommon. Mm-hmm. Like I would maybe need my neck fused and I would have to do halo traction. And while that's like a very specialized surgery, a lot of people right. do it. Right. So for a lot of different reasons. So mm-hmm. What about, what about that. femur extensions, you know, a couple inches in the femur? You know, I looked into that. They told me I wasn't tall enough to qualify for it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so you started off doing cookies and lemonade in the rain yeah. and you raised six grand and you've raised yeah. over a million dollars so far. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 
that's you. You know, that's that's super impressive. Thank you. What what's next for Makespire? Let's talk about that. What's because you know you're going to school. Going to school. You got a lot of you know you got your grades are good. You're paying attention in class. You're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, and you've got this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. What's next for it? That's a great question. Max Bayer technically is still active. Um, I haven't done a project. I haven't done an in-person project since my junior year of high school. We did like a virtual campaign my senior year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided to kind of take a break from the campaign projects, I guess you could say, while I was in college. Um, Max Bayer is still open. Um, it still will get donations and we still do things. One of the, I one of the consistent things that we've done since I've been in college is Eastmont Youth Baseball has, uh, it's called the Buddy Bambino Baseball Program, which essentially is like unified sports, if you know what that is, but it pairs able-bodied kiddos with uh, kiddos that maybe wouldn't be able to play baseball or t-ball. And that's the team. So we sponsor one of those teams and I love it. I love baseball. My brother plays baseball or he doesn't play baseball anymore, but he used to play baseball. I love getting to watch that. So getting to kind of tie those two loves together has been really cool to watch, even though I haven't been able to really be in town since we started sponsoring that, getting to see all the pictures. And so, yeah, so Max Fire will still do things occasionally. I'd love to continue it post-graduation. It will just depend on where all the pieces lay, like with a job. Mm -hmm. So you were up at Camp Corey um, mm-hmm. sometime during the Apple Sox season for a weekend. Yes. You, you, it was a fundraiser. You were the M- oh, were you the yes. MC, were you the MC for that? If I remember. Correctly. I was. Okay. I was. Yep. They have their annual Grow Gala um, and auction every year is like their big fundraiser, mm-hmm. and they asked me to come and be the be the MC this year. And how was that for you? I mean, I had so much fun. I got to read all the auction items. I shared part of my camp story, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but got to read all the auction items and talk to all the people that were there. And I'm sure, Scott, you're shocked. I like to talk to people. So I just got to go around the room talking to all these people who love camp. And I got to tell them why I love camp. And then they got to tell me why they love camp. And I actually got to go up a couple of weekends ago as well to be a volunteer counselor for the weekend. And anytime I get to be up at camp, mm-hmm. I'm a happy gal. How much did you guys raise on that auction? Do you know? That's a, what? Over a million. Over a million. Okay. But I don't remember how much over a million. Okay. And over a million dollars. So yeah. a, a substantial f- amount of money. Yeah. And you were responsible for keeping the crowd engaged and moving along. Something like that, yeah. yeah. They gave me a microphone. Who would have thought that was a good idea? Did you give it? Did you give it back? They made me give it back. Did they? Okay. They probably would have let me keep it if I really wanted it, but I decided that I didn't need it. I you should probably need, give it back. You didn't need your own. Okay. No. Didn't have enough sparkles on it or something like that. You wanted it to be bedazzled. Yeah, I didn't have enough room in my suitcase to stuff it in there and take it home. <laughs> well, let's let's expand on Camp Corey though, because that's um, what what little I know of Camp Corey is that I believe it started in Carnation. Yes, and it's moved up now to exactly where is it now? Mount Vernon Mount is Vernon. kind of off of Highway Nine. Okay, so it's off of Highway Nine in Mount Vernon. Yeah, 
And how long has Camp Quarry been in operation? Camp Quarry has been in operation since 2000 and I believe 2009 was their first summer. So not very long in the grand scheme of things. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. And do you know how Camp Quarry got its name? Yes, I do. Okay. So Camp Quarry was started by Tim Rose, who was a Costco executive for a long time. Uh, and he and his wife lost their son, Corey, to cancer when he was in, when he was a teenager, I believe. Uh, and his name was Corey. And so Tim started Camp Corey in honor of Corey to kind of be a place where other kiddos facing different diagnoses, not just cancer, um, could go and just be a kid and get to focus on, on that part of childhood. Okay. So how, it, it you're not the spokesman person for Camp Quarry. So the questions I'm asking you, I don't know that you're going to know the answer, but you know, just <laughs> we'll how many, how many kids does Camp Quarry serve during a summer? During a summer? Yeah. Cause you said it was kind of like summer camp. So I, yeah, I'm going to so, guess that's when they're the busiest. Yeah. So Camp Quarry does technically does programming all year. Okay. Uh, they do summer camper only programming and then they do four family weekends in the spring, four family weekends in the fall. Okay. It's got to be close to, it's got to be close to a thousand if it's really? not more. That's, yeah. that's a significant number. In a year, in a, in year. a whole year. Right. So that's, still, that's a significant number of, of kids that are being touched by this camp. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you, do you see yourself being involved with them moving forward? Like, would you, would you come back if, if I'm your, if I'm your booking agent, should I try to be booking you for being the PA announcer for next year's fundraising? I would do almost anything camp asked me to do. I okay. love it there. Okay. Um, I love getting to go back and volunteer there. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. I see, I see a little bit of me in so many different campers and watching them gain those experiences. Camp was the first place that I realized one that I wasn't alone in what I was walking through. Because I mean, I'm from East Wenatchee and I love all my friends in East Wenatchee, but there's not a lot of people like with physical disabilities there. At least they weren't when I was a kid, and they weren't my age and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, Camp Corey gave me that opportunity to kind of meet other people, and now I have some of my closest friends from camp. And also, I was kind of shy going into camp my first year i know scott's making this shocked face which i don't blame you um and just kind of like stuck to my mom when they were dropping me off and i was like i don't know if i want to do this and i met my counselor and i was like okay bye mom and dad see you later <laughs> and i did so many fun activities and like we played kickball and i was like well i can't play kickball and my counselor's like well if you don't want to play, you don't have to play. But if you want to, we'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. And so I would kick the ball and then somebody else would run for me. And it was like, oh, wait, I can do a lot of things. I just got to maybe maybe pivot a little bit on how I think I can. And then on Friday for pickup, my parents were the first ones there. And I turned around and I ran away from them because I didn't want to go home. It was like, Oh, I was like, how could you have been the first ones there, guys? And how and old they, were you? Um, I was, I was eight. You're eight? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and, they knew better future years to, to come how many, later. How many years have you been a resident at Camp Quarry? I was a camper from 2011 
2019 with the exception of one summer where they didn't hold camp because they were moving. Right. So like eight summers, seven or eight summers. Okay. So you've, you've had a long involvement uh, with, mm-hmm. with Camp Quarry. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's your favorite activity that you've ever done at Camp Quarry? It's called Cilio. It's basically a big food slash paint fight. And oh, Scott, that is the best activity. I, as a, as a young camper, I was kind of scared of it. I didn't want to get messy. And then as I got, as a, then as I got older, I was like, why not? They have showers. Let's do this. And, and so I just go and you have to go around the stations first and then it goes bananas. What do you mean you have to go around the stations? Walk me through, because you've lost so, me now. So, so walk, walk me through. Okay. It. So when I, when I was a young in camper, they would like bring the leftover food out from the week that hadn't been eaten. And there'd be like stations of buckets of it. And you would like do different. Well, actually when I was that young, we probably, it probably was just a free for all for most of it. But like, you're, we're thinking like, like pasta noodles right. and oatmeal. Do you know how many of my camp friends can't eat oatmeal now because of this? Like it just grossed everybody out. I can still eat oatmeal, but so many of my camp friends cannot eat oatmeal anymore. But you're, you're throwing oatmeal at people. You're putting noodles down them. You're, you're going, then the fire truck at the very end comes and like hoses you off. But now we have different paint stations. So as a counselor, you get put in as the volunteer to be the paint victim in a lot of these situations. So it's like, oh, we're going to tip it back on our heads and, and you got to catch it in this cup. But actually, no, we're just going to throw the paint at you. Or, oh, we're going to cover you head to toe in paint. Or then there's like this big bubble machine. So you, anyways, you go around all these different stations. And then at the end, you can kind of just like go crazy. So how long does this event last? 30 minutes, 40, maybe 45, depends on the, it'll depend on the diagnosis of that week, like what that general group can usually do. Um, and do we get a photo op at the end? I have some Cilio photos for sure. So right. <laughs> I'll send those your way. That sounds um, pretty wild. But yeah. And then it's always fun. The local fire, fire department will come and, and hose us off. And that water is cold. Wait, 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 because my mind went, you know, fire hoses are not exactly gentle. <laughs> it, yeah, they bring the truck out. And I'm, you're not exactly big. And no, they, it's like I a, can see turning the they, hose on you and just blasting <laughs> you like 30 feet the other direction. Okay, Scott, well, you have, uh, you're going, you're going the wrong way okay. with this. Okay. <laughs> they, got, they put the water, they like spray the water up so that it like rains oh, down on no, all of us. That's not as much fun. I, I would have had more fun, like, you know. Psh- I'm sure you would. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Yeah. But it's cold and it helps get some of the like big chunks off before you have to go <laughs> sit on the tram to get back up to the cabins. So, and then if you're a counselor, you know, it rightfully so you're lower on the totem pole for getting a shower like you let the campers go first and so you're you're sitting in that for a moment so it's good to kind of have an opportunity to get some of it off with the fire hose oh my gosh um i don't know if you can hear bosley barking but bosley's expressing his curiosity with the hose bosley just wants to say hi yeah he just he just wants to say hi so that's actually pretty cool and and so have you ever thought about being a counselor so I have been a counselor there before. So okay. I go, I try and go, it's easier for me to go in the fall or the spring for a family weekend because Seattle's not that far from Camp Quarry, mm-hmm. uh, it's like maybe a little over an hour. So I'll go up for a weekend, be a volunteer counselor with a family, come back down. Um, 
I've gone once in the summer for a week, Mm -hmm. Uh, not this previous summer, but the summer before. So that was a really great opportunity. That was still kind of camp. It wasn't camper only because there was COVID. So it was kind of family camp, which still awesome. But um, I would love to get out there this summer for a camper only program. So the family camps, for example, did you ever do one when you were a kid? So Mm -hmm. you, did your brother go too? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was, it, was, it was the four of you then. Yeah. So, how is that different than just you know, only by yourself? What 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 do they do to like? How are they? What are they trying to do with the families? How are they trying to? Yeah. So as a as a camper, I always thought family camp like oh, I love my parents, but it's not as fun because I don't get to be a camp by myself. And this is not a secret. This is common knowledge. But I, it is really awesome to have my my parents and my brother there now, like getting to have them as part of those memories at camp. Uh, but they do a lot of like, okay, you're like this. These three families are like a group, and you guys are going to go do like all of these camp activities together. But then they'll also do things that it's like, okay, campers, we're eating dinner up here tonight. Parents, y'all are going downstairs to eat dinner, and also give the parents a chance to connect mm-hmm. and kind of you know bond over their their shared experiences because being a parent of a medically complex child is also very can be very intense and a little traumatizing, I'm sure. Um, and so while the kids are upstairs giggling, getting into all kinds of not real trouble, but mischief. We'll call it mischief. mischief. Yeah, mischief. we'll call it mischief. Right. Um, then the parents are downstairs getting well, to create those relationships, which is really cool. Well, think about what you said earlier. You said growing up, you were you were the only kid at school that had you know that mm-hmm. was like you, right? Yep. And my parents were the same way. Your parents were isolated in that respect too, because they might've been the only parents of a, a medically complex. That's a great way of putting it. Medically complex child. That's gotta be a scary and be lonely because yeah. you know, you're not, you, well, you, you were different than yeah. Lucas. Uh, and, and by the way, this Lucas that we're referring to is, is somebody <laughs> that McKenna grew up with who was working with us and, and, and is a great guy. And I don't mean to poke fun at him for going to WSU, but well, you know, he went to WSU. He's going to WSU, everyone. Um, so the point, though, is like, you know, Lucas's parents had a different experience mm-hmm. of being parents than, than your parents had. Yeah. And your parents, you know, had less peers to probably talk about that could empathize with the degree of, of understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, that's that's really actually, Camp Corey sounds like an amazing uh, an amazing place for, for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very cool. And, you know, organizations like that and nonprofits is, is in general are just so challenging to raise money for because yeah. it's, it's most nonprofits don't have a, uh, an income stream coming in automatically. They have to fundraise mm-hmm. for everything. So it's this constant grind of fundraising and, and fundraising, in my opinion, can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of work. And yeah. you almost have to reinvent the fundraising every year because people get tired of the same. Like if you would have kept, if you would have stuck with lemonade and cookies, people would have begun to get accustomed to you mm-hmm. and would maybe not stop in as often. So your fundraising efforts would go down. So you need new product. Like maybe now it's lemonade and brownies or, <laughs> or Kool-Aid and cookies. I mean, you know, you get the idea. You got to yeah. constantly reinvent things Yeah. to keep, keep in front of the public. Yeah. And that's, that's challenging. So 
I'm I'm curious. I'm still. I mean, I still have a. And this this is honestly this might be a, a hard question, and I, and, and so I warned you. Or I I promised you I wouldn't ask any hard questions, but I I would like to ask you. I would like to ask you this question in all sincerity. Growing up as a kid, kids can be cruel. And McKenna, yeah. you don't look like. Uh, an, an average kid okay yeah. you don't look you know so what was it like for you going and growing up in a, in a relatively small town mm-hmm. of uh yeah what was it like i feel thankful all the time that i am the anomaly that's like i had a great childhood huh? i was never picked on I, I mean maybe i was behind my back and i just wasn't noticing it but i mm-hmm. I, I think that the small town helped in that, actually. Uh, half of the people I graduated with, okay, maybe not half, but a significant amount of the people I graduated with, I was in preschool with them. You know, after a couple of years of like, oh, McKenna's arm's funny. McKenna's arm is funny. Oh, McKenna walks different. It's like, oh, yeah, duh, that's just McKenna. And there's less of that, like, oh, that's weird, and more of like, oh, that's just McKenna. Um and so I've had so many of my friends since preschool or kindergarten or a very young age, and mm-hmm. it just became kind of normal, I guess. And I never, I mean, of course, there were moments where I was like, this sucks or whatever. Like, you know, there, there, I did have those moments, but it was never because somebody said anything. Mm-hmm. It was never because, you know, somebody was pointing or looking or, and mm-hmm. I've always been one that's like, sure, ask me questions. I don't care. Right. I know it's different. I'll answer questions. Sure. So I feel really lucky that I loved living in Wenatchee. I loved my childhood. I had a wonderful group of friends around me. Most of my family for most of my childhood has lived in Wenatchee and mm-hmm. had them around me. And it it wasn't bad, man. I mean, yeah, sure. I'd have to like miss a field trip or two to go for an appointment. But mm-hmm. my teachers were always really great about, you know, figuring something out so that I didn't feel like I was missing out totally. Okay. So, all kidding aside, I'm going to guess that the your classmates that you graduated from from Eastmont with, um, I'm going to guess if we looked at the ones that have gone off to college, that the majority of them have gone to probably Eastern, WSU, or Central. That's my guess. Yeah. And Grand Canyon, oddly enough. And Grand Canyon. Okay, yeah. that, that's okay. That's that's not layer that I would have like. Mm, okay, yeah. why why did you pick? UW. Why did you? Because what I'm, it's very different on the east side of the state than it is on the west side of the state. So yes, why did you pick UW versus in a, a school on the eastern side of the state or out of state? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I when I was applying to colleges, I applied to like ten different schools. I had no idea where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Where, where'd you uh, apply? I applied to Gonzaga, UW. <clears throat> Biola, Pepperdine, UCLA, UCI, Stanford, Arizona State, Syracuse, and another one. So I can understand the Southern California schools, the draw of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Why Syracuse? Because that's—I mean, um, no, I don't mean that. I, no, I know. I, I mean, it's I do, but I don't. Sure. Yeah, but why? Why? What was it about um, Syracuse? Actually, my mom had an intern 
that was working for her that was at Syracuse and she really liked it. She had graduated a couple of years ahead of me from Eastmont, taking very similar classes, was on a similar-ish path at the time. And my mom was like, why not? Like, just try, just apply. If you don't right. go there, you don't go there. Right. But don't not apply because you're scared. Um, and I was like, okay. So I applied and mm-hmm. um, I, I was... <laughs> I was very lucky in the sense that I only like didn't get into two of those schools, but I had a very hard time making the decision of like, oh my gosh, okay, so now I got to pick. Um, <laughs> which that's such a nice like I I'm aware of what a nice problem that is to have, right? Right. However, in hindsight, maybe I wouldn't have applied to so many schools if my just final decision a little easier. But um, my faith is something that dictates so much of my life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and I had kind of narrowed it down to Biola University, which is a private Christian college in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of still waiting on UW. Um, I had gotten into Biola. I had interviewed for the honors program. I had gotten a scholarship at university, of, or, but Biola University is also out of state for me and a private school. So mm-hmm. a little expensive. Um, and I had just been praying and praying like, God, please make this answer really easy for me. Please make this really clear. Please don't make this decision hard. Um, and I had kind of thought, oh, it's going to be Biola. And then the University of Washington uh, gave me an offer, a scholarship offer. I was invited to be a presidential scholar at the University of Washington. Um, what does is, that mean? Right. So that is a group of students who are Washington state in-state students who are doing cool things in their community like and cool is like such an underrated word the people that are in my cohort i'm amazed by i'm like oh my gosh i get to be here with you guys you guys are awesome um but that are making an impact in in their area and so like for me that was philanthropy for other people it was like political things or artistic things or academic things and so i'm in this cohort with people who have made such incredible differences in their respective fields. Uh, and it's a $10,000 a year scholarship. And I was like, Oh God, this is what you wanted, huh? And I was, I was in the moment I was like, thanks for the clear answer. Really was hoping to go to California. Um, but you know, shocker, God knew what he was doing. I've had the most incredible experience here. Sorry. Are you hearing my, yeah, you're getting some announcements, but that's okay. Um, I have had the most incredible experience here. I got to go home this weekend because my brother's football team made it to playoffs. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to come home. I'm going to come watch him play football. And I got to just like get in my car and go home and then come back. I could never have been doing that if I was in Southern California. Right. Um, I'm still really close to children's while I'm not doing, I had, didn't really have care last year or this year. I did my freshman year. I had a surgery over winter break. I had an appointment I had to go to in winter quarter. You know, having that proximity in my care was great. Mm-hmm. And Seattle has presented itself with a lot of really cool opportunities with Seattle Children's, with Children's Miracle Network, with Make-A-Wish. Mm. All of those different things um, have really kind of shown well, We haven't something. even talked about that. We haven't even, we, we, I glossed over it in, about the, the Make-A-Wish and Children's Miracle Network. So, why don't you explain to the audience what those two programs are all about? Make-A-Wish and Children's Miracle Network? Yes, please. So Children's Miracle Network is a network of over 170 children's hospitals all over the nation. So uh, I think there's two or three in Washington. But 
basically they are doing fundraising similar to the hospitals are doing themselves. But where, so Scott, if you in Wenatchee give money to Children's Miracle Network, it goes to your local hospital, which I think in Wenatchee is Sacred Heart in Spokane. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Seattle Children's, that's fundraising for their uncompensated care fund, which ensures that patients, regardless of their ability to pay, receive the treatment that they need. Mm-hmm. So Children's Miracle Network is doing such cool things for all the hospitals all over the country. And each CMN hospital every year individually picks a local champion, um, kind of a patient ambassador of sorts to represent the hospital to share their story. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, I was Seattle Children's local uh, champion is what they call them. And then in 2019, I was one of the 10 national champions. So they look at all of the local champions for the hospitals, and then they have 10 come and be national champions and share their story all over um, in really cool capacities. I feel really lucky all the time. I'm like... Well, you did R4, correct? I did. So R4 is Remax, um, Remax, the, the real estate brokerage that's global. They have a, an annual convention called R4. Yeah. Okay. That I had so much fun at that convention. My dad went down with me and I was just like hanging out. They do this, I don't know how you explain it. It's got like a big kind of marketplace. There's a bunch of different booths set up and mm-hmm. Children's Miracle Network had a booth. And so I spent most of my however many days I was down there just hanging out at the CMN booth, talking to people that would come through. The amount of business cards I walked away from that week with was insane. Um, and everybody was so nice and they were so excited to be there and they were so excited to be raising money for CMN. And, um, I had a great time. I would, I'd do that again anytime. So I'm going to burst your bubble. Oh no. Real estate agents will give their cards to any Scott. I know McKenna. I'm, I'm a real estate agent. I was a Remax broker. (laughs) Uh, No disrespect to Remax here, but we will give cards out to anyone i'm choosing to live in the world where i was special to get a card okay okay and did i maybe know that because i also gave out my card to everybody that gave me a card yes Yes. but i still like my little card collection (laughs) i'm not joking i came back from my first r4 with with a stack of cards it was probably six inches thick I mean, it was just like, just like my luggage was overweight because i had you know business business cards in it yeah it's like, oh, I love it. anyway so so that's so you did that so you were in na- a state and a national ambassador that's that's very cool yeah um, and then shifting over to make-a-wish make-a-wish is also i don't i think they're in an I think that they're an international organization. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But they do separate chapters for different state or state combinations. So Alaska and Washington are one chapter of Make-A-Wish. And they give wishes to kiddos with like terminal illnesses, basically, like life-altering. Right. And so I got a wish in a time that was really kind of pivotal for me. I was given a wish right before my spine surgery when I was in third grade. And it was great because instead of thinking about all that scary spine stuff, I could go, hmm, what do I want my wish to be? Um, And eventually I landed, um, you know, the actor Chris Pratt. Mm -hmm. 
So I wanted Chris to help me with the projects that I do for Seattle Children's. And he agreed. And he, I, I still can't totally wrap my head around this experience, Scott. He went above and beyond. He came up to the hospital. I met him at Children's and he came and you know met my family, met some of my medical team. And then we chatted and brainstormed, yeah, what are we going to do for the hospital? What should we do? Crazy. And then we went to go visit some kids on the floor that were inpatient. And I got to go with him, just watch him like dance to Guardians of the Galaxy songs through the hallways. Um, and then we had like, <laughs> such a cool day, Scott. Um, and so, yeah, what we did, he offered up the opportunity to go visit him on set of Jurassic World 2 in Hawaii when they were filming that. And so people could go in and donate and get kind of like an entry into a drawing. Um, and then... Yeah, so we ended up raising over $828,000. Wow, that's very cool. I actually don't even know how much, like, I don't know what that kind of money looks like. I just remember, like, watching this. I was, like, in in English class because I'm in eighth grade, and I'm watching this fundraiser go live, and I'm refreshing it, and the money is just getting higher and higher. I remember texting my mom going, like, are you looking at this? Like, do you see this? This is this is crazy. So um, yeah, I don't have enough. I can't say enough good things about Chris. Like anything that you think he is from his characters, he's hilarious. He's so down to earth. He went way above and beyond um, for my wish, and I just think he's like the coolest guy. That's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. In our conversations this summer, you mentioned a dance marathon. Yeah. And I can't remember what it's called, so I'll just say a dance marathon, but mm-hmm. that's not its official title. But what is it, and why yes. are you involved? So Dance Marathon is a program of Children's Miracle Network. So they have these dance marathons at colleges all over the country. And they are programs put on college campuses really intentionally to get college kids involved with volunteering, fundraising, and philanthropy. So Dance Marathon, uh, I'm the executive director of Dance Marathon at the University of Washington this year. So I oversee a team of like 12, um, three directors and nine chairs. And so... Maybe a little less. Anyways, we put on different programming to raise awareness and funds for Seattle children. So um, we're planning like a cookie decorating event for December and we're doing we're going to try and do an Uno card drive for Thanksgiving. And so we're doing different things like that to get the campus involved. It will all culminate in February at our big dance marathon, which is a six hour event. We'll have patient families come and share their stories for different like hours and then we'll have different activities mixed in throughout the day we'll have music fun dances to learn different activities and then fundraising pushes throughout the day to try and and get that number up for seattle children's what haven't we talked about we should talk about Hmm. i don't know scott okay well i've got some important questions now oh no i'm no i set up every every episode this, I asked three questions of every single guest, and so okay. you, you know different. All right, McKenna, you're you're in the Seattle area. I am. You know I love coffee. You do. 
where should I go to get a cup of coffee around the University of Washington? Around the University of Washington. Because yeah, McKenna would come into the office with these Trenta-sized, <laughs> strawberry-infused oh, Starbucks. Okay. Yeah, Starbucks. You First know. of all, before anyone is concerned about my caffeine intake, they were Venti's. And it's just a strawberry aside refresher. It's just refreshing. Right, so it wasn't coffee. No, well, actually, I didn't think there's caffeine in them, but that's okay. Yes. Okay, so where's a great place? Where's a, where's a popular spot around the U for coffee? How, how about that? Popular spot? Yeah. Well, we are Seattle, so we do have Starbucks on every corner. I feel like that's kind of a cop-out answer, so it I is. won't give you that. I, I, yeah, I'm, gonna, that. I I'm not going to let you off the hook that quite that easy on that one. Okay, well, um, where do I go for coffee? my kitchen um no there's a place across the street from me called cfab cafe cfab cfab s-e-a-f-a-b it's right on i don't want to say the marina but it's on the water and yeah. it's got really good coffee okay. i'm surprised every time i go I'm like oh yeah i forget how good this so is what type of coffee do you order when you order coffee what is I, the drink you order i order a hazelnut caramel latte with oat milk iced Yes, I've been Seattle corrupted with my fancy drinks. Okay, I know. I know the look you're giving me, Scott. Okay. Well, the drink I used to get in high school from like Automoka, which shout out Automoka, I love them. They're so good. Um, they, I tried to order it here, and the barista looked at me like I was crazy, and I was like, um, and I'm like trying what? to change. So what's the drink? <laughs> I get. I used to get a zebra, an ice zebra americano with toddy and a little bit of cream. And so, and I'm like trying to explain this to this college barista who probably just got hired like a week before it's early in the school year, right? Like, well, toddy is like cold brew. And I'm like, I'm trying to explain like how I think Automoka makes this drink for me. And this barista is just looking at me like I'm crazy. She's like, that's not a thing. And I was like, okay, well, awesome. So then I had to spend, I spent all of winter quarter trying, my freshman year trying to find some new drink. And I tried some weird combos. My friends were like, McKenna, why would you put that in an iced latte? That's gross. And so finally I just kind of gave up and I was like, well, what are you getting? My friend was like, I'm getting a lavender oat milk latte. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want lavender. So I was like, I'll get hazelnut and caramel. And, and now... And I'm a creature of habit. So here we are as a junior, still the only coffee I drink. Okay. I'm going to get to Seattle around lunchtime and I'm always, you know, looking for a good place to eat. Where's okay. a great, where's a great lunch spot? Okay. This is a hot take. Burger Master. Have you been there before, Scott? I have. It's one of my, oh my gosh, I used to beg my parents because it's next to the hospital. I'll be like, come on, can we, get my two choices for lunch in Seattle, Seattle Children's Cafeteria. Burger master. And my parents are like, come on, McKenna, venture out a little bit. I'm like, no. I, well, you, you, I don't think you're a very adventuresome eater. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I think you're, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not judging you. That's true. Dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. And no, hey, just kidding. <laughs> they're better when they're in the dinosaur shape. <laughs> Burger master, huh? It's funny. Somebody else mentioned that in a recent episode too. That's, that's interesting to me. And there's nothing wrong with Burger master. The, the objection that I have to Burger master. Okay. It's not to Burger Master. It's to eating in my car. You don't have to Whenever, eat in your car. Well, if you go to the one by you village, yeah, you okay. you're right. That. You don't have to. But when I think of places like Burger Master or yeah. or um, Kid Sorry. Valley, yeah, or it, not that, and n has nothing to do with the food. It's 
you don't want to eat in your car. Well, then your car stinks like fries all day mm-hmm. and you're messy. If you're me, you're messy and you got your beard and you know, you don't know. So you get out your next stop and you've got like, you know, ketchup in your beard. And anyway, it's like, here, I'll give you a Wenatchee reference. Have you been to Mission Burger? No, but I know where it is. Amazing. Great food. Seriously. Yeah. Thumbs up. When you come back to Wenatchee, Try Mission Burger. Okay. You got to eat in your car, and it's 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 a messy burger. Um, I'm a slob, and it's I'm so I'm stressed out the whole time I'm eating it that I'm going to spill it in my car, and then my car's going to stink like, you know, fried food. Well, it probably does anyway. So who am I kidding? Okay, so Burger Master. So what are you getting at Burger Master? You're going to make fun of me for this too, Scott. I get a plain burger with ketchup. And, um, but I like to put salt and vinegar on my fries there and I get a chocolate peanut butter milkshake. Interesting. I'm not gonna make fun of you. It's just, it just reinforces that you're not, know, a, you're not an adventurous, you're not an adventurous and that's okay. Michael. The legs Scott had to go this summer to get me to try a taco. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We brought tacos to the office and you, uh, yeah, that was funny. You wouldn't do that. Street talkers. Okay. And they were they're they're amazing. But yeah. All right. So this question you can't you have to answer it. You can't no. not answer it. Oh, no. And you have to explain your reason. Oh, no. Okay. All right. It's, it's a simple question. It really is, honestly. All right, you ready? Okay. Cake or pie? Oh. And why? Easy. Easy. Well, okay, maybe not so easy. Cake. Unless it's a flavor I don't like, but only if it's pumpkin pie. The only pie I'll eat is pumpkin pie. So I feel like cake is my better option because I've got more options there. There's nothing that sounds better that, to me as a dessert than Costco cake. And I stand by that. The frosting is so good. The cake is good. The designs are pretty. Okay. There's no wrong answer here. Although you've come close. <laughs> And saying I only eat pumpkin pie. That's that that's that's a non-starter for me. Pumpkin pie. You don't no like pumpkin. pumpkin Have you had Costco's pumpkin pie? I do not like pumpkin pie. I've never it, liked pumpkin pie. Is it texture? Is it a texture? Uh, it's it's so it's wrong on so many levels for me. And <laughs> as a as a child growing up, uh, you know, I'm an only child. I'm also an only grandchild, so I had a very small family, right? So we'd go to my grandparents' house for for Thanksgiving dinner. My grandmother always liked to cook. And every year, you know, she'd bake pies. And there'd be a pecan pie because my dad liked pecan. There was be pumpkin. God knows why. And there'd be like an apple pie. And every year, every year, my grandmother would go, Scott, do you want some pumpkin pie? And I'd be like, no, thank you. She goes, so since when don't you like pumpkin pie? And finally, one year in my teens, I just kind of couldn't keep it. I, I've never liked pumpkin pie. And she's like, really? I seemed, you know, it's so funny. It was just, she just could not, she could not remember that I. Didn't like pumpkin pie. I would not, I would starve versus eating pumpkin pie. I do not like pumpkin pie. That's I'm fine. so sad for you, Scott. No, I'm not. You know, because here's here's why you shouldn't be sad for me. It's more for you. More for you. So true. Okay, so my my lack of pumpkin pie means more for me. More for you. Okay. So, McKenna, you've done a lot. You're 
21 years old. We're going to bump you up. We've elevated you to 21, right? Less than two weeks. Yeah. 21. You, you're doing all these things. You're, you're going through life with, with a, with a disability that is, um, I think it would shut down a lot of people, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people would, um, become very, uh, withdrawn Mm -hmm. and you are not withdrawn. And you have been always a, a very pleasant and upbeat, sometimes too much so, but we'll track that up to caffeine um, person. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed spending time with you. And so I really thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today and talk about Makespire, the Children's Miracle Network, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, your stories of Chris Pratt. That was pretty cool. You've given me a good coffee recommendation, which I'm going to try, and then I'm going to report back to you. And don't disappoint me. Um, Scary. Yeah, exactly. And and you know the dance marathon and all this. So I wish you great success in the future in whatever endeavors you decide uh, to go down. Uh, and I'm going to give you the last word. Thanks for having me, Scott. I've like had such a great time chatting and catching up, and thankful for for you letting me come on the podcast. This is so fun. All right. Well, thanks again, McKenna. Thanks, Scott. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at ExploreWaState. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at ExploreWashingtonState.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.